Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Thank you for joining us today on the Resilient Cyber Podcast. My name is Chris Hughes. I have my co-host here, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. And thank you for joining us. We have Dr. Calvin Nobles on the show today, an incredibly esteemed and accomplished uh, cybersecurity professional with over 25 years of experience. Um, I couldn't do his... his uh, pedigree justice, but just to try, I'll, I'll tell you, he has 25 years of experience, uh, including uh, being a retired member of the U.S. Navy. Uh, he currently works at Wells Fargo as an information security and cybersecurity professional focusing on identity and access management. Um, he also volunteers at numerous uh, numerous industry organizations, and he also has been involved in books as well, uh, one of which is called Black Men Changing the Narrative Through Education. And on the note of education, uh, Dr. No- Dr. Nobles actually has two PhDs. Uh, he has one in management and engineering and technology. And then he also has a second one, a doctor of philosophy and human factors, which is what we're going to focus on today. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for being here, Dr. Nobles. As a, a, a fellow researcher, I actually, I'm so excited to get to talk to you because I'm actually using some of your research in my dissertation. So it's cool to meet another researcher and get to talk with you and and kind of pick your brain on some of these topics. So the first question we we kind of wanted to talk with you about and ask you, I'm interested in kind of how you got into human factors, what interested you about it, and then kind of how that kind of bled into uh, your dissertation and your research. Absolutely. Well, good morning to you all. And I am glad and delighted to be here with both of you because it's always a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk human factors, definitely an emerging field in cybersecurity, and I am glad to be here. So to answer your question, what got me into human factors was many years ago, several decades ago, I was a young a young aviator, a naval flight officer, and one of the day, one day I got a call saying, hey, you need to go to the uh, aviation safety officer course, which at the time was held out in Monterey, California at the Navy Postgraduate School. And I went there and I just thought we were going to be studying all these hardcore engineering classes. But then all of a sudden we had a human factors class. And for some reason, I really excelled in that class. I mean, it just, it was a natural fit. It was just like a, a call my, I found my calling, right? And ever since I was in that class, it just stuck with me. The, the real purpose of, you know, managing people and making sure people were operating in risk-free environments as much as possible. And even when I transitioned out of aviation into cybersecurity, it really resonated with me because one thing that I quickly was able to see was a parallel between aviation and cybersecurity because both of them happens to be socio-technical fields, meaning they are made up of many miniature systems that are dependent as well as independent of each other. And so it just stuck out to me. And I just saw some of the things that we were doing in cyber. I was I was thinking some of the practices we did in aviation and human factors could also apply to cyber. And so that's what really drove me towards my research. And my research for my dissertation was exploring senior managers' influence of human factors to reduce human errors in cybersecurity because as you know it, you know, when it comes to data breaches and ransomware attacks and cyber attacks, you know, the statistics have been very have sustained for so long, right? The data on it telling us that 80 to 90 percent of all these attacks are due to human error. And so this is why I, it felt very important to me, very natural to do this particular study, because what I realized was that there, there was a gap in knowledge. We don't have anything correlating how senior managers imp- implement human factors in cybersecurity to reduce human errors. 
Well, I I wanted to hop in there because it, it you and I have a lot in common there. That that's one of the reasons why I got into human factors too because I w- I started doing this research, you know, from the cybersecurity side and got really interested. I've always been interested in psychology and so I started kind of looking into human factors and I found you and your research and there are very few people that are doing academic research on the cybersecurity end with human factors. And so I, I I had the same kind of excitement and interest because no one's really talking about it, but it's something that uh, is absolutely a major problem and a, a contributor to cyber attacks. Yeah. And if I may, I had, I had a follow-up question there, basically, like knowing that many of these incidents uh, that you mentioned at risk come back to the human, kind of the human in the loop. How do we go about expressing like the criticality of human factors to, you know, in cybersecurity, both to like leadership and to practitioners? And uh, what would that conversation look like for each of those? I think one of the most important things is what you all are doing today, you know, talking about it, bringing people with, with this background on your podcast and having these type of discussions and then disseminating this, this podcast out to, you know, you know, potentially thousands of people that want to listen in on this. But, you know, having this discussion with um, very senior executives in the organization is also important. I get a lot of phone calls from, I was on the phone about a week and a half ago with a chief technology officer from uh, from Israel. I was on the phone the other night with a CEO from uh, California. So they're all interested in this topic. The hardest thing is, you know, when we look at what's going on in cybersecurity, we look at, you know, I look at cybersecurity every day like a Thanksgiving plate. You know, you got turkey legs, you got stuffing, you got dressing, you got pot, you got everything on that plate. And then you got some nerd guy like Calvin Nobles telling you, hey, and you better add something on there for human factors. Let me put these two drumsticks on top, right? And so that plate is already full. And so I think the way we have to approach this is not from I'm the smartest guy in the room approach, but align it with risk management. And, and start talking about the human element and the human factors, you know, risk assessment that we need to start doing like they do in the other social technical fields. And then I think we'll be able to gain some momentum. So do you think we should be having different conversations with executives and technical practitioners? Do you think that we should change that conversation depending on who we're talking to or That's a great question, uh, Nikki. And I tell you, that conversation, like people like us who really are in it on the academia side and the research side, right? We need to still have those conversations because one of the responsibilities that we have is taking academia, uh, what we learn from a research and academia side and attain it to the practitioner side and closing the gap. Right now, there's a knowledge gap. And that's why it's very important for people like us to continue the conversation. But when we have that conversation with uh, senior executives and organizations, we have to change the context of that organization so that we talk in more risk-based and not so much more of the technical aspect of human factors, because we don't want to lose that audience. Because right now, human factors is already a second or third tier subject. We want to make it a, a top tier subject for senior executives and organizations. Yeah. On that note, you know, we often talk about or here in our industry, you know, people process technology. And in my opinion, the emphasis always tends to be on the technology, especially now with all the digital transformation underway, you know, emerging technologies being utilized. Um, how do we how do we get human factors you can kind of fit into that into that three category conversation and maybe even emphasize it or elevate it, like you just said? I think one of the most important things uh, we have to take a look at is ma- making sure that we really need the technology. The technology should be driven from a risk aspect and not from a want aspect. And the other thing you have to do, you have to use it from a human-centered approach where everything you're doing from a cybersecurity across your organization should be really keeping people at the core and building things around them for them, not the other way around like we see it today where we have technology and, and policies and procedures at the core. Then we got humans out there running around trying to catch up, right? And so that's, that's not a, a good place to be in. And I think that's where we can help organizations understand that 
instead of just investing in technology, we have to continue to invest in our people. Uh, that's that's a really great point. That's something I another thing we kind of have in common there that uh, I think we have to as we're doing this human factors research to really think about how we can really change the landscape of cybersecurity. How can we really affect that change and and help people understand how important it is? Kind of on that same note, to we can help them kind of express how important it is. But why do you think it's so important? Which aspects of cybersecurity do you think could really maybe benefit the most from the addition of human factors? Well, right now in today's um, in, in today's terminology, in today's terms, right? I think a lot of people are experiencing fatigue. A lot of us driven by the pandemic. A lot of us driven by. We're not working in our traditional places. We're working from home. In some cases, some people working out of cafes, some people working out of you know, just different locations, right? And so there's a lot of fatigue that's going on right now. Uh, one of the projects that I have on my, my table right now is a project on stress, burnout, and fatigue. And when I started this project about a year and a half ago, there was only like six types of fatigues we were really concerned about. Over the last year, that number of a list of fatigue has grown to about 12 different types of fatigue. And I can say organizations don't really focus enough on fatigue. And that is something that you can easily do across an organization. I mean, all you got to do is just work with some of your psychologists that most of them have in the terms of organizational behavior or in uh, industrial psychology and just do a risk and just do a quick survey on fatigue, burnout and stress and see what you, and see where they are. And you could do them on an over a six month time to see, you know, if there's a change and then you can start, you know, really exploring that research to see what are your high friction areas that's driving stress and fatigue and burnout and then addressing it that way. And so I think from there, you can really understand, because when you look at other domains, like if you look at aviation, pilots have a set amount of time that they're going to have a you know active crew day that they're going to be able to be involved in flight operations. The same thing in medicine. If a surgeon is not feeling well, he's going to be able to say, I'm not feeling well today. Let's postpone the surgery. But in cybersecurity, we push on. So you might have someone who might be a part of a merger and acquisition, which is a, to me, a major, a major task or function we do in cyber sometimes, especially when you're transferring data, right? And that person might be going through a life-changing event. They might be going through a divorce. They might be going through a health ailment that they wasn't, you know, they weren't thinking about before. And now they know they might be going through or dealing with a sick child or sick parent. We don't know. And we don't have any way of saying, I need a timeout. And so those are some things we could think about that we can leverage from other communities where, you know, they're, they're almost zero cost at that point by just, you know, opening up our aperture and looking at what other domains are doing in terms of human factors. Yeah, if I could just jump in real quick, uh, you know, I wanted to mention, you mentioned like the, the remote workforce, right? It seems like we have this ubiqui ubiquitous, like always on, always connected uh, dynamic now due to the remote work, you know, and maybe you had a commute before or something that allowed you to disengage a bit, right? Um, do you think that that kind of that stress, that fatigue that you're talking about can increase the risk to an organization uh, from a cyber practitioner perspective? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, you, you hit um, the nail on the head there, you know, when you were home, you always are accessible to your laptop, your phone, your email, whatever it may be. And even late at night, if you, if you just happen to walk by your device and you see you have a message, what we do, we're going to check that message. And the reason we check that message is because we so, in today's time, we're so attuned to working. And we have to, you know, break that monotony and break away from the habit because we also need time for ourselves. We also need time for our family. And we just need time to just recuperate because we're burning a lot of hours right now. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's a truly, uh, truly emerging topic that needs more attention and likely has much more bigger impact than we realize. Um, so with that said, you know, where do you see the future of integrating human factors research into cybersecurity going? And actually, I opened up this to both of you because ironically enough, like Nikki said, she's actually doing this research at the moment and you're, you know, you've, you've done much of this yourself. Uh, so where do both of you see this, this research heading in the future? You want to take it first, Nikki? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll jump right in. So, so the current research that I'm working on, I, I, I'm interested in because human factors is still relatively new in cybersecurity as far as creating terminology, creating a taxonomy, creating new terms to help us understand where the problems lie. That's kind of where my current research is. I'm trying to help create new terms and understand phenomenon that are happening within the field so that we, you know, if we can define a problem that helps us start to figure out where the solution is. And that's why I love research and academia so much and why I think it blends so well into our technical uh, cybersecurity practices, because uh, without truly understanding the problem, this is this is like research 101. I know I know Dr. Nobles is going to agree with me on this one. You know, if you walk in and you think you have a solution to a problem, you've already kind of lost. You, you have to really figure out where the problem is. And so that's why I think creating new terminology, really understanding where our problems are, helping to define those problems, uh, specifically, you know, I can talk about vulnerability chaining until I'm blue in the face. I think understanding that phenomenon, how that how we can actually protect ourselves against vulnerability chaining attacks, how we can, as defenders, understand what they mean to us and how we can actually protect our networks. That's one area where I see human factors really blending well into cyber. The second part of that is cognitive limitations. I've gotten really interested in cognitive limitations in general. It's something that we see across many different fields in the in the medical fields, medical doctors uh, that have cognitive limitations. There's only so much information that we can fit into our brains and that we can actively apply to our jobs and to our professions. Cybersecurity being this huge bucket of, you know, you've got incident response, you've got threat hunting, you've got red teams, you've got blue teams, you've got uh, security controls and configurations, you've got guidance, you've got all of these cloud, cloud security, you've got all of these different factors that play into cybersecurity. And so at some point, we have to say, where are our cognitive limitations, our cognitive functions? Where are we limited? And where do we accept that that's okay? We have to say, hey, it's okay if you don't know incident response and threat hunting and red teaming and pen testing and all these things so that we can sort of have people focus kind of on what they're good at and not force them to know a 100 different things. Uh, what do you think, Dr. Uh, Rosalind, you're right on. And, and I, I agree with you in so many ways. And what she just explained was how complex this issue really is, right? And and that's why, you know, there's a slow uptake into cyber because everybody realized this problem is going to be very difficult to, to solve, to even make it more just palatable to us. We we up against a huge hill right now, but we're gonna but we're gonna get there by just having conversations like this. The other thing I think that we need to do is work with the, the federal government in making human factors engineering an area of an area that needs to be included in the list of jobs in cybersecurity. Right now, it doesn't exist, and so we're trying to we're at the door waiting for somebody to let us into the party, right? So that's that diversity inclusion thing. See, now we're talking about it from a profession. That's been impacted. When we talk about human errors, we talk about not understanding, you know, security behavior. We're talking about how people interact with their machines, right? And so it's hard, you know, to get these problems resolved when the people that can help you resolve them are not even in the room. And so I call this the bus mechanic repairing the airplane engine. 
We know that if a bus mechanic repairs, repairs an airplane engine and we know of it, chances are we're not going to fly on that plane. We're very uncomfortable doing that, right? But we do it in cybersecurity every day. You have people who don't really have the, the organic training to really understand the problem that's trying to fix the problem. So we, we need to do a better job. And, we, and th this is nothing wrong with saying if you don't know it, just say you don't know. But just like anything else in, in the cybersecurity domain, go out and partner with the right people with the right talent to help you fix the problem. Don't keep forcing that round peg in a square hole. You know, at some, time, at some point, something's going to break. And so we are already at that breaking point now, because if you look at it, the cost of global cybercrime this year is estimated to reach $6 trillion. So if, if global cybercrime alone was a country, it would be the third uh, highest ranked on the GDP, only second to the, uh, the United States and China, right? And the reason that global cybercrime is continuing to climb is because people are making mistakes. And cyber criminals are realizing that we're making mistakes. They also realize where our underbelly is. Our underbelly, unfortunately, is people right now. But we can train people to be the strongest element of cybersecurity program, even better than your technology in some cases, because technology serves one purpose, but people have the ability to um, just put more things together than what your te the technology you pay for. We can think out of the box. Sometimes technology can't think out of the box. Yeah, I just want to jump in there. A couple of things you said really resonated with me. Um, you know, one of which is, as you mentioned, the human being the strongest kind of element in the loop there. You know, it, it really stuck out to me because often you hear like the human is the weak, the weakest link in the chain, you know, kind of thing. And I think that the perspective you put forth is definitely a different one. And it, and it shifts the perspective and puts the focus on the people and actually making them the most resilient, you know, uh, rigorous, you know, secure aspect of your organization, essentially, which I think is a refreshing look at it. Um, and then also you mentioned the federal government, like there's a massive uh, effort underway. I think the technology modernization fund just got a billion dollars appropriated to it uh, at, in, in the past week or so. Uh, but then again, there goes that focus on technology. I'm not hearing the conversation around people and humans. And I think that's something that your, you know, your message really points out. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to tag on to that too because when you were talking about creating these jobs, we we do we need to have some job description, a job title, something around human factors, mm -hmm. cybersecurity or cybersecurity human factors, something like that to help bring this kind of to the forefront because traditionally human factors is the study of it's kind of UX design, it's the the kind of the backbone of how do we build software and tools to help our humans use computers and the software better. Um, but we're taking that conversation and applying it to all the all the to totality of cybersecurity. Uh, so if we can change that conversation and say, hey, human factors, we should, you know, put a little seat here for you too. So so you can kind of be part of that conversation. I, I think that's a, a great point that you made that we could uh, kind of help to drive human factors and make it a more important part of the conversation. Absolutely. You know, I, I, you're spot on there. I, I was in a conversation with someone a couple a couple of days ago, and you know they're engineer, they're engineer by trade, they they're a great engineer by the way, but they don't have the same affinity for human factors that I have, right? And the, one of the things they said was that you know when you bring human factors people to the table, they slow things down. And to me, I don't look at it as slowing things down. I look at it as we're now taking a methodical and process oriented approach to managing risk, managing design to get it right the first time. Because what happens is people design things, they build things, and then they find out what they built either exceed the cognitive capabilities of the people, where the people don't trust it, or they induce other technological related vulnerabilities. And then, then you call in a human factors team to help you figure this thing out. 
And so we have to change the, the narrative on what human factors practitioners can bring to the table. If I may, real quick, I just wanted to jump in there. You know, you talked about like slowing things down and we're seeing like a paradigm shift around DevSecOps and faster, faster you know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, speed to market. Obviously, there's competitive advantage to speed to market. How do we kind of convince leadership to, to maybe slow things down? Like, you know, if you're going very fast, but you're going off the rails and crashing, as we've seen with these numbers not changing over, over time, like you said, around vulnerabilities, breaches, you know, metrics around how much it's costing. How do we convince folks to slow down a bit and show that the value of slowing down may be more beneficial than just going fast all the time. I would say this state is going to be, it's very difficult to do, right? Because everybody's now looking at agile, right? Implementing agile and building a whole operations around agile because, you know, there's some competitive advantages for having agile operations, right? I think the thing you can do is take, once you've hired human factors practitioner or partner with them, integrate them into your teams and allow them the full um, flexibility that you allow everybody else on the team. And, and value what they're saying and what they bring to the table. That way, even though you're continuing to keep your foot on the accelerator, you have somebody holding the steering wheel. Right now, we got people, you know, with their foot on the accelerator, but the steering wheel is all, you know, the steering is all over the place, right? So we just need somebody like a human factor practitioner to come in, grab hold to the steering wheel, and and bring about some of those human factors initiatives, so so we can get it right the first time and reduce cost in that aspect. Yeah, that's that's a great point, uh, and it's the same having that security first mentality. Having that human factors security mentality will actually save cost and save potential cyber breaches and, and all of that. It's all tied into that. So I, I think that's a that's a great point that you made. So to shift gears a little bit, you mentioned a little bit about the work that you're doing and some of the things you're working on. But what else do you have coming up? What kind of research are you working on? What are you interested in? One of the things I'm really interested in, I, I love picking the brains of CIOs and CISOs. And, and the reason I love doing that is because in my last, in my dissertation, in my last project, I noticed that there's a, there's a gap when it comes to human factors. And I can't just walk away from that. And I'm trying to find out why there is a knowledge gap. And I want to know what we can do, because once we start helping senior executives understand that there's a knowledge gap and that human factors is not here to slow your operations down, human factors is not here to increase your cost, human factors is really about risk management at the end of the day. And once we can start having those conversations, that's where I want to go. And, and that's what I'm really trying to do is research and produce some uh, research, not only just research, but some that's going to lead to some actionable practices that we can use day to day to help people understand what human factors is really about. Because I can tell you one of the most frustrating, frustrating things I see is that people talk about human factors and everything they talk about is a side effect or after effect of not having human factors. And I'm like, well, that's not quite right. And you, you hate saying that because you don't want to tell people what they don't know, but you want to make sure people understand that we get it right. Because you don't want a surgeon going into, you know, an operation thinking that he's going to be operating on your knee and end up operating on your ankle. So we got to help make it, you know, help people understand that it's not as negative as you make it out to be. There are a lot of positive takeaways from this. Yeah, I think you've definitely highlighted that, especially looking at the the industry traditionally and, or, and like, you know, over time, historically, like obviously something isn't right here. We need to make some changes and, and redirect our focus. Um, and I hate to kind of pivot to our final question uh, since we're just scratching the topic of this, um, but it's something I think a lot of folks can benefit from. Um, with our final question, we did want to ask, you know, what does cyber resilience mean to you? And if I can, you know, maybe put a little human factors uh, spin on it, of course. That's that's your expertise. Absolutely. So cyber resiliency to me means the ability to know that you have had an incident and you're still able to function 
without the business taking a total loss or if any loss at all. And from a human factor aspect, what does that really mean? It means that you have people that are trained to understand what's going on in the system. And you also have controls built in to prevent people from initiating losses or doing things to further as, as cause more effect to the system. And so it's, it's about being able to recover and being able to continue you know, your operations because a lot of times what we see, and especially with some of the companies that took the hit with SolarWinds, they were down. And I'm, we're talking about hard down. We're not talking about a couple of days. We're talking about hard down. So, you know, having that type of resiliency is important. I think another thing with human factors in place, people understand I don't have to know everything. I just need to have better collaboration with my partners across the enterprise. Everybody's it's about a trust factor in there too, trusting that everybody is is adequately trained, everybody's looking to do the right thing and doing the right thing, sharing information, collaboration, because that's what's important. And the other thing, and the last thing I say here is that you know, one of the mitigating factors that I like to tell organizations that you can do regarding human factors is just start a human factors platform. And what I mean by that is just have a body, a committee where people can talk human factors. Because once you have that committee in place, you will see people will start raising issues that they never raised before because now they have a platform to raise those issues. And I've seen it done in the aviation side. It's also done on the medical side. And so why can't we do it on the cybersecurity side? I think that, I mean, perfect answer. And I think that's such a, an important conversation for us to have. And I'm so glad you're here to, to talk with us about this because I agree. I think as long as we can start that conversation, set the chair out for our human factors engineer to come and sit and talk with us, even just awareness, understanding that this is a part of uh, cybersecurity, IT, leadership, human factors kind of touches all of that. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for coming and, and talking with us. And, and I, I know our audience is going to learn a lot too about all things human factors and cybersecurity. So thank you very much for coming today. We're so happy to have had you. Uh, that's going to kind of take us out for this episode. So thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, and we will see you, you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining us. Take care.